Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, we thank you for who you are and whose we are. And you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from sin. Show us how we honor you and bring glory to your name by walking in the way of Jesus. Give us grace and mercy as we try and fail at times to guide us when we're not sure which way to go and wisdom to trust you in all things. For your love brings light and life to all who seek it. May we seek you evermore as we walk through this journey through Holy Week and beyond. Bless our brother Forrest as he comes with the awesome word of God. May a seed be planted, may eyes be opened and ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steffi. There will be time to remember Debbie. Debbie was a longtime uh, staff member here at Whitworth for 20 plus years. Uh, time in the chapel if anyone wants to come and just be and pray and uh, acknowledge, look to God uh, from noon to three today. You're welcome to come in here. Well, it's so good to be with you in worship. What a gift to be able to come worship God together. And, and Easter, Easter time, Easter uh, weekend, Easter break is almost here. We're so close. And you have some fun family Easter traditions. Anybody have any? You don't have to tell me. Just do you? Yeah? Come on. Somebody does. Thank you. Some nods. Growing up in my house, we, we didn't actually go to church, but we had a lot of Easter celebrations still. And we, we, one of the things we would do is dye Easter eggs, you know, the hard-boiled kind. And then the Easter bunny would hide them. And later on, the Easter dad would hide them as we got old and figured it out. And as the Easter dad hid those, as we got older, he hid them um, more and more, you know, challenging places to make it more fun for us. And... Inevitably, what would start happening is we would find, you know, we have our, our dozen we would hide, and then my siblings and I, we each had a dozen. We had three siblings, so it's 48 eggs, in case you want to do the math. And, and we would end up with, uh, you know, one or two at the end of the day, at the end of kind of the, the searching time, saying, oh, we're still missing one. And then we look and look and say, Easter Dad, uh, do you know where those ones are? And he'd say, well, did you get that one? Yeah, we got that one. Did you get that one? Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> and now in our family... Uh, there's a new Easter dad in our house here, and, uh, and this Easter dad, it hasn't gotten that bad yet, but a couple of times, uh, the, the, my Esther and Bella and River have been looking, and they come, Dad, do you know where any more Easter eggs are? Did you get that one? Yeah. Did you get that one? Yeah. Well, we may just have to wait until we start smelling it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it hasn't happened. It's exciting to think about uh, Easter, Easter uh, time coming up, but, but we, we think about Easter celebrations. We don't get to skip to Easter Sunday, right? We don't get to jump to Easter celebration on Sunday without the suffering of Good Friday. And today, as we continue our series on, on getting to know the God of the Old Testament through the, reading the Bible with Jesus, we're going to look at a way that God has made that clear in the suffering servant from the prophet Isaiah. The suffering servant in Isaiah. Let's set the scene. Isaiah is, is a book of the prophets. The prophet Isaiah has come. He hears God's voice and delivers that message to the people, right? As we learned about Amos, that's what prophets do. And Isaiah is primarily a prophet to the southern kingdom, Judah. This is after the northern kingdom has already been taken to exile, as, as Amos tried to warn them about, remember, and didn't work out. So Isaiah is tell, talking to the people of Israel. And, and as we go through the book of Isaiah, you start seeing this foundation of, of who God is. 
God's character is revealed at the beginning of Isaiah. And Isaiah's chapter 1 through 39 is this, is this exposition before they've gone into exile. And, and it's Isaiah calling the people back to God and reminding them who God is. And we see in that section of Isaiah and also throughout the whole Old Testament, God's character God is a God of merciful redemption. God is the merciful redeemer God. From the very beginning of the story, God has been that way. And we see it in Isaiah. We see it actually in the fact that Isaiah is calling the people, turn back to God. Stop worshiping those idols. Stop stop pursuing injustice. Come, be with God. God, the merciful redeemer, sends Isaiah to call them back and to protect them from their, their folly of their ways. But like all of us, the Israelites didn't listen too well. Their sin kept building up and building up. And, you know, sin's one of those words that might be helpful to think about. What does sin really mean? We could think about it some different ways, but here's, a, here's a, a, a simple definition of sin. Sin is the proud rejection of God and his ways that are manifest in idolatry and injustice. It's proud rejection. Adam and Eve rejected God. God, we don't need, I don't need you. We got our own. We got our own way. We got to figure it out. We don't need you, God. And then that leads to idolatry. Idolatry is putting anything else, our ultimate value in anything else besides the one true God. Injustice is when we participate in some way in the oppression, the taking advantage of others for our own gain, individually or more often systemically, sometimes without even knowing it. Idolatry and injustice are the manifestations of this rejection of God and God's ways. Well, Judah's sin eventually catches up with them. And in 586, they are crushed by the Babylonians, and they're taken into exile, their leaders at least. And Jerusalem has fallen, and they are taken away from their holy place, the place where they met with God, the place where they were promised to live and dwell with God, all taken away. This is what happens when sin takes over. We become distanced, alienated from God, torn away from God. And actually, though, in a lot of ways, just as, as same with Judah, we do it to ourselves. It's, it's as if, you know, the, like the old, the old style scuba diving when you had, the, you had your breather and had a tube going up and something floating on the surface? We're scuba diving in that way, and, and sin is us cutting off the air supply. It's us saying, nope, I don't want that. I got my own. I'll find my own down here. How'd that work out for you? God is the source of all life. God is the one who provides us life. God is the source of all goodness, holiness, righteousness, courage, These things are in God, and we cut ourselves off with sin, and we alienate ourselves. We we lose the life blood that God meant us to have as his image bearers. And as we're cut off from God, we then suffocate and die. God, who is the source of all goodness and life and truth, when he encounters then this in us, There's only one thing that God's goodness does towards evil. It condemns it, always. See, that sin, that sin, that rejection of God has in in human beings infiltrated us all the way up. We see it from a two-year-old saying, hey, mine. 
Dory, Theo never does that. Theo never did. But the rest of the two-year-olds in the universe somehow learn the word mine without their parents ever teaching them. And they just say it. That's mine. And we see it in the dictator who takes advantage of millions of people for his or her own personal gain. Mostly his, right? Sadly. We see it in the systems of oppression and injustice to perpetuate the oppression of certain people for various reasons, women or based on the color of their skin or whatever it is, we see this sin has infiltrated humans from all the way up. Will a God who is true and good and right encounters this evil that has infiltrated us, it results in condemnation. This is what happens when a light comes into a dark room. What does it do? Pushes back the darkness, right? The light always condemns darkness. And so it is that we, as our sin fills us up and infiltrates us like a disease throwing through all of every pore of us in some way, affecting us, even our best intentions still get corrupted, that that inside of us gets, meets God's light and goodness and truth, and that is received condemnation. Condemnation on us. So we're stuck in a mess. We're a mess. Judah's a mess, lost in exile. And then we meet our servant. Our servant, God's sending to us. Isaiah 53 is actually the fourth servant song in Isaiah from Isaiah 42 on. The fourth time the servant comes up. The servant who God is sending to bring hope into the mess, but in a way that we wouldn't expect. Isaiah 53, we're going to jump in in chapter, or verse 4. Surely my servant has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we counted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, the merciful Redeemer God, this is who God is. In God's great character, he's going to do something about this mess we're in. He's not going to leave us there. And this servant sent to the people of Judah... Ever since the beginning of the church, they've read this as speaking about the Redeemer who came as the Son incarnate, Jesus. This Jesus, in Galatians 4, Paul tells us that from the, in the fullness of time, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. This is the suffering servant who comes to us. But be careful. Remember, we can't skip to the celebration without passing through the suffering of Good Friday. Jesus did come to redeem us and bring us life and hope and adoption, but it didn't come easy and it didn't come cheap. He was a man of sorrows one who carried our infirmities. 
In his life, he carried infirmities of those around him, healing, actually taking their infirmities. It says in Matthew 8, taking those kind of on himself in a certain way. And he carried our infirmities of the human existence, the human, human suffering as he wept at the brokenness of our world. He carried that all through his life. And then this last week, this holy week, Jesus came to the culmination where he took upon himself the full ramification of our human sin, our disease, our rejection of God. Jesus is taking it on himself this week, leading up to his suffering and death at the cross. He's taking our sorrows, our wounds, our transgressions, our proud rejection of God and his ways, our systemic brokenness, all the evil that we've invited into the world, he's taking it on himself. Let's read this passage again, this time together, uh, and think of the ways that Jesus was the man of sorrows. Before we read that, pick this up. This is actually made by a Whitworth artist, Pauline Haas. She's no longer with us, also in the resurrection. We'll see her, but the man of sorrows. This man of sorrows, the suffering servant. Let's read, let's read that passage now with this in mind, thinking of what Jesus went through and goes through this last week. Ready? Go. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. It's laid upon him the iniquity of us all. This man of sorrows was bruised for our iniquities carried our brokenness and sin on himself. He received all that rejection of God, all the evil, carried it to the cross, and on that cross hung and died and descended even, the church believes and speaks, descended into hell. Descended the place of utter darkness and despair, deep distance alienation from God. The furthest alienation there could possibly be, the humans could possibly go. There Jesus went, alienated on our place, on our behalf. Receiving the condemnation that we deserved, not because he did anything wrong, but because we did. He received that for us in our place and on our behalf. There's a lot of different ways the New Testament talks about what happens at the cross. Think about the atonement. How does Jesus make us right with God? The Bible's not clear on the one way, but it's really clear that he does. Jesus dies in our place and on our behalf that we could be restored. That that air tube could be connected again. That we could be restored in righteousness and goodness and courage and life in and through Jesus. That we actually receive his 
righteousness, his goodness, his courage, his love, and his empowerment to be the people that God made us to be. All this because he carried our sorrows and was bruised for our iniquities. By his wounds, we are healed. This is the good news of this week. This is the good news, and we can't skip past it because we all need Jesus to carry those sorrows for us. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says it this way, God made him who knew no sin, or sorry, for our sake, different version, NIV. We'll switch to NRSV. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Galatians 3 talks about Jesus becoming the curse for us. In Romans 8, it talks about Jesus being condemned. In him, he condemns sin in sinful flesh so that we could receive his, the just requirements of law fulfilled in him. Jesus carries our sorrows as a suffering servant. Undeserved. Nothing we could do to earn it. Nothing we could ever do to pay him back. All gift. As God, the merciful redeemer, finds a way to pull us out of the mess and the condemnation that we deserved and not as deserved that we have on ourselves. So 500 years, Vangel can come on up, 500 plus years before Jesus was even born, God was sending a message. I'm not going to leave them in the mess. I'm going to come and in love take it on myself. And so the suffering servant comes to us, unjustly is arrested with lies. He's convicted. He hangs on a cross for six hours, breathes his last, and they take him down and lay him in a tomb, just like it said in Isaiah 53, 9, a rich man's tomb. There Jesus' body is laid because God loves us enough to say, I am going to redeem them. I'm going to restore them. I'm going to bring them back into the family. What does that mean for you today? What does it mean for you today? It could mean a lot of different things for us in this room. Some of us, we've heard this so many times, and yet there are places where we need to re repent and receive that wholeness of new. We need to remember and acknowledge God's deep love for us. We've said we've believed lies about ourselves, that God doesn't love us. He couldn't restore me. No, the suffering servant took all evil. He took it all. Some of us have never trusted and received this gift from Jesus before. It's time. Maybe it's time to say, yes, Jesus, I need you and your redemption in my life. Cleanse this evil out of me. Make me a child of God. Some of us are hearing a call to step into God's redemptive work in this world as he loves us, so he sends us out in love. What does this mean? What are you going to let this mean to you today? What are you going to let it mean to you? Let's stand and sing and you listen to God's word and God's voice answer that question. Because of his great love, 
the triune God sent the suffering servant to die in our place and on our behalf, to suffer for us. Isaiah 53, see up here, we put it on top of Catherine's beautiful work today. Isaiah 53, 11 and 12 remind us that that's not the end of the story. We don't want to rush past it, but we do look in hope towards Sunday. And wherever you are Sunday celebrating, you know the man of sorrows didn't stay dead. The grave couldn't hold the author of life. Evil couldn't hold the one who was goodness itself. And so we see in Isaiah 53, 11, out of his anguish, he shall see light. He shall find satisfaction through his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous and shall bear their iniquities. And so go from here knowing the love of God, the triune God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the suffering servant, and the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit who sends us out to join him in his work in this world. Go knowing the suffering servant who loves you. Amen.